Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast of the Sunday morning sermons of the Bullard Church of Christ in Bullard, Texas. We hope you'll be blessed, challenged, and encouraged by today's lesson. Thank you, Kenley. Such wonderful worship, such a blessing to be here this morning. And we're so very glad and thankful to be together this morning. Thank you for being here, all of our members who serve here and are faithful. And we appreciate you and value you so much. And we're so very thankful for those of you visiting with us. We hope that you feel uh, special. We hope that you're blessed by the fellowship and the worship here with us this morning. And I also want to say Merry Christmas. Christmas is tomorrow. We're thinking about Christmas. We're in the Christmas season at home and all over the place. Probably the stores now are on to the next holiday, whatever it is, Valentine's Day, I'm sure. But uh, we're so thankful to be able to uh, get together during this time on this day on Christmas Eve and uh, think about, talk about uh, Jesus and uh, worship God on this special day. And uh, with people spend time uh, thinking about Jesus and talking about Jesus all over the world on Christmas Eve and on, on Christmas Day. And certainly we do that all the time, but we are thankful to be able to worship God and, and proclaim the message of Jesus every time we gather. And today uh, we certainly do that as well. We're so very thankful to God for the story of Jesus, and we'll spend time on that Today, By design, in our series that we're in, Finding Your True Identity, uh, our lesson this morning is on You Are His Servant. Because when you understand the story of Jesus, when you know the story of Jesus, who He is and what, what God did and what, what Jesus did for us, and you believe that message, you can't help but serve Him. You want to be his servant. We spent some time on that in our wonderful Bible class this morning. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10, and I'll start reading in verse 35, and let's look at this scene that's happening and see what Jesus has to teach us about being his servants. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Verse 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, verse 42, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so 
among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you imagine walking up to Jesus and asking that question? Jesus, give me whatever I want. And by the way, what I want is power and glory and and influence and, and I want a position. Give me what I want. And these were some of the closest people to Jesus. They were his cousins also. And they walk up to Jesus and say, here's what we want. We want you to give it to us. We, 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 when we read Jesus' response to them, we can tell they don't understand yet what they're talking about. They still think, as we studied when we did our series on Mark, they still think that Jesus is going to come as an earthly king, an earthly conqueror, and that, that Rome will be conquered and Israel be, will be restored to its glory and power. And Jesus will reign as an earthly king. That's what they're thinking most likely. They don't understand and so they say, well sure we can drink the cup you're going to drink. We can be baptized with the baptism you're going to be baptized with. And Jesus says, you don't even understand. But he takes that moment to teach them about service. What it means to be a follower of Jesus. To be a Christian. And as we study our identity as Christians, we learn that one dimension, one characteristic of our identity is that we are to be servants. Jesus brought up the cup He would drink. He was referring to the wrath that He would have poured on Him, that He would drink on the cross as He endured the wrath of God for all sins, for all mankind on the cross. As He experienced the wrath that we deserve, He said, that's the cup I've got to drink. Maybe He thought of Isaiah 51, 17 and 22, Jeremiah 25 and 15 as He Uh, thought about this cup of wrath. When he referred to the baptism he was going to be baptized with, in this moment he was figuratively talking about the, the flooding of suffering that he would have washed over him on the cross. What he would go through in the torture and the suffering leading up to the cross and as he hung there dying. He talked. That's what he thought of in Luke twelve fifty. He re- makes reference to that that this suffering is like a baptism. It's just gonna, it's gonna flood over me. And that's why when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew what he was about to face, and he had sweat like drops of blood coming out. He trembled in fear and anguish because of what he knew he would face. And here he has two of his closest disciples, his cousins, saying, give us position and power. And he says, you don't have a clue what it means to be a follower of mine. But they soon would. He knew what kind of deaths most of the apostles would face. He knew the suffering they would face for just being Christians. Look at verses 42 through 44. 
The other apostles are upset when they hear about this. They don't like it. They're unhappy. So Jesus calls them all together and now he teaches them about what it means to be a servant of his, to be a Christian, a Christ follower. And he says, you you know those rulers that we see, earthly rulers that we know about? They could have named names. They could have pointed them out. They had lived experiences with these different rulers. And he says, yeah, you know them. Don't be like that. Not so with you. You want to be great, James and John? You want to be somebody? Be a servant. You want to be first? You want to have importance and position? Be a slave. So Jesus gives us these two words that identify a Christian, that describe the identity of a Christian. Servant and slave. In their culture... Servants and slaves were at the bottom, weren't they? They are in every culture. Servants do whatever you tell them to do. And now, sometimes in Scripture, these words are used synonymously. Uh, But right here, he's using two different words for effect because Jesus is saying something. He's communicating a point. He wants us to understand what encompasses being a servant, a follower of His, this being a servant and a slave. Servant, that word, would indicate someone who does tasks, who, do, who is an assistant, who does the things they're told to do. They perform a function. It's also the same word we use for deacon. It's the exact same Greek word. And it's the exact same Greek word we use for minister. Someone who does the work, that's what they are. And he says, that's what you're supposed to be. And the word slave there means Someone who is under the ownership of someone else. And they give their allegiance to that owner. They're under their ownership and they give their allegiance to. And he said, I want you to be both. You're a servant and a slave. That's the mark of a Christian when we're talking about being a follower of Christ. Jesus is saying both of these describe the identity of a Christian. And then Jesus uses himself as the ultimate example of a servant in verse 45. And he says, Here's, look at, look, look at my life. Look at what I'm doing. My whole life is being a servant. And he says, For even the Son of Man. You think you're, you want to be somebody or you think this, this, and this. He said, For even the Son of Man, me, the, the Son of God, I came from heaven. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. These words of Jesus say so much. In fact, we could say that this verse is the theme verse of the Gospel of Mark. It's very likely that Jesus had some Old Testament Scripture in mind when He talked about this when he said this verse when he was in this context teaching this lesson it's very likely he was thinking of Isaiah the prophet who told of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 and in Daniel 7 that foretold of the son of man coming that's very possible what Jesus was thinking about as he's trying to teach this lesson to them, saying, that's me and that's what I came to do and to be so that I can pay the ransom 
for your sins. Now, in the New Testament, Paul wrote this about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. Turn with me over there to verses 6 through 8. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Verse 7, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, and by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you see the Christmas story in what Paul just wrote right there? Do you see the story of Jesus right there? That's the Christmas story. That Jesus uh, was in heaven in all of His glory at the right hand of the throne of God. And when God said it was time, at just the right time, Paul would tell us, Jesus emptied Himself. And He said that my, my position in heaven, my, 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 my status in heaven, my, my time in heaven right now is not a thing that I have to hold on to. I can let go of that. And I can humble myself and come down and be born in the likeness of humans. To be born like us, to be born in the flesh, as John tells us in John chapter 1. And he came and he was born as baby Jesus by his mother Mary. It was a miraculous birth, and we'll look more at that tonight. We want to invite you to be with us tonight at 5. And so he comes born by his mother Mary, and Matthew tells it like this in Matthew chapter 1. Look at verse number, starting in number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Do you hear the echoes of what Paul is saying, how he described that story? Look at verse 21, Matthew 1. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus told his disciples in Mark 10, he said, I must, uh, I'm the ransom for many. I've got to pay the price. That's why I'm here. I'm a servant and a slave to all. Look at verse 22 of Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
You see, Jesus came to earth in the form of a human, born as a baby, just as the Old Testament foretold, so that He could literally be God with us. So when, when the angel said, and you shall uh, uh, call his name Emmanuel, it didn't, he wasn't saying name him Emmanuel. Jesus is called many things like son of God, son of man, uh, uh, many titles throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. But he's called that because he is God with us as John lets us know in his gospel. That, that name Emmanuel describes who he is. And they named him Jesus. Because He would save us from our sins. We all love babies, don't we? Some of you have already had your babies grow up and now you've got grandbabies, don't you? You might have great-grandbabies. Babies are cute. Babies are sweet. Babies are cuddly and snuggly. We smile when we see them and they smell good most of the time. We love babies. But Jesus didn't just come as a baby to be baby Jesus. The Christmas story includes baby Jesus, but it doesn't stop there with baby Jesus. The Christmas story is about Jesus came, but He didn't just come to be a cuddly, sweet, squishy, chubby baby. That's not why Jesus came. But oftentimes we like baby Jesus. Because baby Jesus is sweet and, and, and He doesn't ask anything of us. There are no demands that He has of us. He's just cute to look at. He just, he just makes cute sounds, right? There's no demand on our life. But He didn't come born of a uh, Mary, born in a manger to just be an adorable baby. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Jesus came into the world to pay the ransom for our sins. You see, the Magi didn't come to worship a baby. They came to worship the Savior. That's what they said in Matthew 2. They said, we come to worship the Savior. That's what they were there to do. They knew He was a baby, but they knew He was the Savior. See, Jesus was born in a manger, but He came for a cross. Do you see the story of Jesus? He came to serve God as a servant by giving His life as a ransom for many. That means He paid our price. The price of our sins. We don't have to drink the cup of wrath for our sins. We don't have to be baptized with the suffering that He suffered because He came to do that for us. And Jesus calls His followers to be servants like Him. Did you know in Jewish culture, if you fell on hard times, or if you owed somebody a lot of money, you had an option. You could sell yourself into their ownership as a servant, as a slave, to be, uh, pay off your debt, to be cared for, to basically have a job. And that was a good option for many people because by law, God required those Jewish masters to take good care of their servants, their slaves. They were required to provide for them and care for them and treat them right. And so it worked out well. But God also required that every seven years, all debts would be forgiven and all of those slaves would be set free. But God also gave an option 
for the slave when his time was up, when his debt was paid. And turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 15. And we see the choice that God gave these servants. In verses 16 through 17, God tells them, But if He says to you, I will not go out from you because He loves you and your household, since He is well off with you, then you shall take an awl and put it through His ear into the door and He shall be your slave forever. You see, at that point, that servant was marked for life. He was marked for life with the earring in his ear that his master had put there with an awl at his house. And and everywhere they went, everyone could tell by the mark on him that he was a servant of his master, not by force, but by choice, that he and his master had a special relationship, a loving relationship, and that he devoted the rest of his life to serving his master, to doing his master's will. Why? Because he loved him and his master took care of him. And all of that was a foreshadowing to what it means to be in Christ today, to be a servant of the Most High God and Jesus our King. You see, the servants had a choice, and that's what Christians are. We are people who choose to live as servants for a Master Jesus. We choose to dedicate the rest of our lives to to not lose hope as we studied this morning in class and to dedicate our lives in His service, to be His servants, to do the things He would have us to do, to be His slaves, to be under His ownership because he, He bought us from our sins. He paid the price with the price of His blood on the cross. And we give our allegiance to Him with our lives. We don't turn to other gods, we don't other little g gods, we don't chase after idols, we don't uh, do these other things because our allegiance belongs to our Savior. You see, Jesus was brought into this world, born into this world to serve the will of His Father. And when we're born again in Christ through baptism, then we're, we're born into His service because He's our Savior. And we're so thankful to God. We cry out, thank you, God. Like those servants did, thank you, God, for your salvation. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for coming into this world for my salvation. Thank you for being the author of our faith and the reason for our faith. So I want to ask you this morning, Have you let Jesus pierce your heart? Have you let His sacrifice for you, His love for you, all that He's done for you, have you let that pierce your heart? Have you been pricked in the hearts like we, in your heart, like we read about in the book of Acts? Where people heard the gospel message and it touched them to their heart and they realized what a loving God, creator God, did for them. Because He loved them and wanted to save them. And then He gives us salvation through His Son, Jesus, who was born among poor people, who was born in a manger, who was born a baby, who lived like we live in this world. And yet He 
died for our sins so that we could be saved? Have you let the message of the gospel pierce your heart? And if so, then you need to do something about it. Like we read in the Bible, they responded to that. They said, when, it, when my heart is pierced, I do something. I give my life to Him. I surrender my life to Jesus, to His service, to His ownership. And you, do, you start off by doing that, by being immersed into Him in the, grave, the watery grave of baptism. You're united with Him in this death, burial, and resurrection. And you're raised to walk in newness of life. Your sins are washed away in the water. And you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in that new life that you're given, you live it for His glory and in His service. You say, yeah, I've, I've, I've been a servant of His, but I hadn't been serving too well lately, and I, I need to get back in service with Him. I need, to, I need to be a more faithful servant, and I want to ask for prayers. This is, a, this is what this is for, to come together and say, I need your prayers. You can ask other times. You can ask privately. That's all fine and good, but sometimes you need to come before your church family. Say, I want you to pray for me, and we're here for you. We have a loving community here. We're wonderful. We're thankful for our wonderful God blessing us with this congregation. If we can serve you this morning in any way, we invite you to come to Jesus as we stand and sing. We thank you again for listening today. If we can answer any questions for you or serve you in some way, please reach out to us. You can find our contact information and more on our website at bullardchurchofchrist.com. If this lesson has helped you, please rate our podcast and share it so more people can hear the Word of God. And please, come visit as soon as you can. We meet on Sundays for class at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., evening worship at 5, and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. God bless you.